PodRocket is sponsored by LogRocket, a front-end monitoring and product analytics solution. Don't know what that is? Go to LogRocket.com. Thanks. Brian, I'm here with Ben Hong and Caitlin Cooter. Gentlemen, hello. Hello, hello. Caitlin's not saying hi, but trust me, he is here. Um, hello. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so Ben, start us off. Uh, who are you? Why are you here? Yeah. Etc. Sounds great. Uh, so yeah, hello everyone. For those who don't know me, uh, my name is Ben Hong. Uh, most of you probably know me from my work on the Vue core team on the docs. And so I also work at Netlify as a senior developer experience engineer and do lots of things as well and the web platform um, as a Google developer expert for web and map technologies. And yeah, just excited to be here to chat about view things and anything else that of interest that comes up. Yeah, no, we're super happy to have you here. Uh, we will hit view three for sure. Although I think I'm, where I kind of like to start is, so uh, Kate, our producer, puts together like a little pre-interview package for us. And one of the things I saw uh, is a tweet she grabbed from you that was kind of walked through your progress in view over the last four years. And it was like a stepwise approach, right? Like 2017, I became aware of view as a thing. Um, and then 2018, I went to a conference. 2019, I became kind of a community partner. And then do I have a, do they do the math? And then 2021, I'm on the core team. Um, I think I'm looking like, I think it would be helpful for the audience and just me too. Like what, why? Like, what is it? So you heard, you became aware of you and then you went to a conference, but then what? Like, what was it about you that was like, I need to do more? Yeah. So one of the things, so for those who don't know, um, my background, so I'm entirely self-taught. So like no computer science degree. In fact, my degree is in um, industrial organizational psychology. So IO means a whole different thing to me, um, typically speaking, prior to entering the programming world. And so uh, as a result, like when I entered into like the tech realm, I didn't, there were boot camps weren't really a thing yet. They had just started popping up. And so the idea of throwing like 15 grand at something that was really unproven wasn't really a thing. So I kind of hacked my tech career together. And as a result, like one of the best ways to boost, at least I found to boost my like sort of awareness of the field was to one, go to the tech conferences and kind of like follow different, like, uh, like the different superstars on Twitter. That's kind of like the beginnings of it. And so from there, obviously, I joined around the time where frameworks were starting to become really like, so React, Angular started to enter the scene. And I basically started out doing React. And when I was uh, joined Politico, we were trying to look into different frameworks to use. And so naturally, I pitched React because that was the thing I wanted more experience with. Because I had grown up doing a lot of HTML and CSS, but JavaScript had always kind of eluded me. Uh, but then at the time, my teammates were like, no, we should really look into this thing called Vue. And I was like, Vue? No one's heard of that. Like, let's, let's do React. <laughs> That's like the thing everyone's talking about. And uh, so I, I got to do a couple projects with it, and I started to realize sort of the, the simplicity and elegance of it um, from like a framework perspective, which we can get into later. And so from there, it was just a matter of like having gone to conferences. It was like, I'd really love to speak at a conference one of these days. And so from that, it was like, okay, well, now that I'm doing Vue at work, I kind of go, I happen to time well with the first Vue conference. And Vue was still like getting popular, but still hadn't like totally assembled its community yet. So that was like a time where like it was a lot easier to get access to the core team members. And that's where like, I guess I meet a lot of them in person. And it was like, how can I help? Because I'd love to like get more involved uh, with the project. And from there, it was just sort of like, step by step um, as far as like trying to 
also grow career-wise and um, get more involved in the open source community because a lot of the principles I think I find in there uh, really reflect my own values. So I started at LogRocket uh, at the end of 2017 and you know the blog was very small back then and we were thinking, well, we should probably do more React because people seem to like React. But then it became, was like, well, what else should we cover? And I remember pushing really hard for Vue, not because I really understood technically what was happening. I was way too new, but because I could, <laughs> I could see kind of the groundswell. Like it had, a, it had a, a lot of, I don't really know what you would call it, grassroots support. I'll just pat myself on the back. Good for me. It was, that was a good decision. Um, but yeah, no, it was right around that kind of framework thing where I was like, yeah, I think Vue is going to be a thing. And then four years later, it turns out, it turns out to be a thing. Maybe perhaps even more than that. That's what do you think, Halen? It also started to get some good adoption with like bigger companies mm -hmm. probably earlier than like other, other frameworks that I've seen. And I, I wonder how much of it, uh, how much of Vue's success was like a pushback against complexity and, in React. And I always say that there's like a trend going from really complex decentralized frameworks and then back to uh, centralized frameworks that do everything like Angular. Exactly. And then back again, and then back again. <laughs> Just, we never learn. Yeah. I, I will say like for me, having done Angular and React, what I've liked about Vue was that to your point, it kind of approaches it from that middle tier perspective of like, mm -hmm. we realize it's helpful to provide some abstractions that are really common that people use every day. But at the same time, people want to be able to like customize things. And so when people want to break out of those conventions, we want to let them do that. And so I found that with Vue, it really did a good job striking that balance because earlier on in its development, um, one of its uh, past core team members, Chris Fritz, um, is actually was actually um, an instructor prior to being a developer. So for him, a lot of instructional design and education went into that. And I think that really reflects the API and how a lot of the core concepts are as far as learning from React and Angular and then bringing them together in a way that like gives people that familiarity of like, oh, like this feels familiar, but yet it like really helps to supercharge my my developer workflow. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm, I'm excited for Vue 3.0. Not so much that I'm like, uh, you know, going to convert LogRocket over to Vue, but like just to get more fresh ideas Yeah. Uh, in like reactive programming. I'm like not completely sold on the way that React does it. And uh, like I've tried other paradigms with like MobX and RxJS and like, you know, everything under the sun and all of them have their own horribleness. Sure. Uh, I feel like it's just not a solved problem yet. So it's good to see innovation wherever possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the great things about Vue as well is because it's not backed by like a company, um, in that way, I think, Brian, to your point, that grassroots bit allowed it to really be open source, kind of true to its nature. And so in that regard, it's funded by contributions um, and that kind of thing. And what a lot of people don't realize is I think Evan and maybe only one or two other core team members are actually being paid by like the Vue fund. But most of the core team members are actually basically volunteers, including myself. And so, and there's roughly, I think there's roughly 20 of us and only a few are actually in America. So we're actually spread pretty globally uh, from a team perspective, which has been really neat to like get that insight um, from different regions and cultures. Yeah. It was one of the things actually that, that made me start paying more attention at the very beginning. So like really early 2018, because um, a lot of the writers uh, for the Log Rocket blog um, are not in America and many of them are in developing countries and they kept uh, pitching articles that included view to the point where I got to, I was like, what, why? Like, I don't, what's the, <laughs> and they were like, this is what we use at work. Like, this is, this is why, because it, and it just became like, and they didn't all, well, 
Um, in some cases, like it was one company, but then it became many different companies. And so um, it was mm-hmm. actually really cool to see. Like it was, I can't imagine it being more organic than that, right? Like in different places. And yeah. We should do more research there. I would, I would be interested to see like a, a world map of front end frameworks. <laughs> yeah, that's what's challenging too. Is that a lot of times when we look at things like the state of JavaScript and that kind of thing, a lot of the data does tend to come from the United States and kind of Europe, which and then which understandably so with like the the firewall in China, like it's hard for us to get metrics on that. But we can see from like we know that Vue is probably one of the most popular frameworks in the Asia. So it'd be kind of interesting if that data could have like could be brought into those kind of surveys because uh, I think a lot of people in the US understand we so like they see what react can do with the Facebook ecosystem and how that has scaled and so um, but yeah it's, it's been it's been an, it's been an interesting ride <laughs> unfortunately they just do like a breakdown of who responded to the survey but they don't let you see like the survey result results for yeah. a specific country mm-hmm exactly we love that survey at LogRock because we write many blog posts on it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of content to glean from it, sure, yes. certainly. <laughs> yes, that part that I, part I can vouch for. But even like it's interesting, and not to beat a dead horse, but I, I um, thinking about something like Angular, for example, right? Like maybe, and I, I'm sure I'll get all kinds of um, passionate letters uh, or email or tweets about like, you know, if I say that it's fallen out of fashion or favor, but, you know, it depends on kind of where it's coming from because there are other parts where, yeah, like I, it's used pretty heavily. So I don't know. Yeah, I think one of the things Google did really well with Angular was always position it as like the enterprise framework, which for developers, we know that's kind of an interesting way to frame it given that Facebook is or React is clearly used in an enterprise way. But Google just earlier got that like, we're very opinionated and this is enterprise. And so in that regard, I still know, like to your point, there's a lot of companies still using it, but from an indie developer like side project, I think that's where the conventions sometimes get in the way. Uh, because with, you know, for those that don't know, Angular kind of like has a mandatory requirement of TypeScript. And for those who are entering web dev, like TypeScript, if you don't have any experience with type languages, that's a huge barrier, um, let alone having kind of really opinionated ways for like decorators and how everything should be done. So I think this is where React and Vue kind of enter the picture and even like Svelte, for example, where it's a lot lower barrier of entry to like just getting started and building fun side things without learning all of this stuff. Yeah, definitely true. I think um, technically Angular does not require TypeScript, but it's one of those things where like if you don't use TypeScript, then you're going to be confused by all the docs and all the resources. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The fact of requirement. And it's why like Vue has it baked into its design where like we give you opinion where you need it and then otherwise we try to get out of the way. So we really want to try to give teams the ability to like design the best thing that works for them. So for example, like a lot of people don't realize that Vue, for example, can have um, JSX, which is really popular in React because um, some people really like render functions, but they don't realize Vue does provide that even though most of the time the like most people only need templates because you're just writing plain HTML. But when you want to be programmatic, JSX is available to you. So that's like one of the examples of Vue's flexibility to let you customize what the team wants. Yeah, actually, all my coworkers or not coworkers, all my friends uh, in the industry that use Vue all came from companies where they had like server side rendered apps, uh, often in Django or something. And like Vue just fit better as a way to transition to like modern tech versus React that would have been far harder, I guess. And I think templates kind of make, is one of the big reasons why that's the case. But. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think one of the things that people underestimate, at least earlier on with Vue, and I think actually one of the reasons Vue got its popularity, um, to Brian's observation and to 
um, what you mentioned is that it can actually be just imported in as a CDN package like jQuery and then layered on top of whatever existing thing you have. And so to Kaylin's point, like at least earlier on, I know React required more build tools to get started. And so Vue being able to just import as a CDN allowed it allowed like uh, companies like GitLab to progressively migrate away from like traditional like server side everything server side render to have having some client dynamic interaction until they basically had enough of the app using the CDN that they could actually justify like using build tools and t- taking that time to migrate. Not coincidentally, I think that's why Angular fell out of favor. It's because the switch to Angular two was just like. You can't. <laughs> you can't transition here. <laughs> yep, all or nothing. That uh, was, yeah, that definitely made it difficult for sure. This is very diplomatic of you, and I, I appreciate that. The, <laughs> 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 but I am curious, like, it's not really a competitive. Like, when you're thinking about kind of what to do next, and then you see, like, okay, React did this, or, you know, whatever, pick your framework, did this. Are you aware or is the team aware? Like, is it a conscious, like, you know, let's try to do it better than them? Or is it more like we're doing our own thing or just, I'm trying to think how much kind of real estate other frameworks have in your mind when you're kind of looking forward? Like, is it, how does that work? Oh, a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. I, I think to be honest, it's a bit like, I think when they talk about framework wars, I've never really been a fan of that concept, right? Of like who's better than who, because there's certainly arguments to be made for certain reasons, like certain frameworks work better in certain contexts. And so as Vue kind of develops, one of the things, for example, we experimented with is, um, so Svelte has like their own compiler. So they kind of write like kind of non-standard JavaScript, which feels really weird for developers. But like clearly with Svelte's popularity and like, there's almost a question of like, should the syntax evolve to like accommodate this new way of like doing like kind of like instead of re- declaring your uh, variables as like const variable, it's like you can de- declare a different type and they have like their own compiler for that. And so that was an experimental um, feature that was tested out in Vue 3 to kind of see like, how does this feel? Like, does this make developers' lives easier? Because in the end, right, frameworks are meant to abstract away problems that we don't have to solve every day. And so just as a way in one of the things I love about Vue, for example, is like their directives. And so if you want to check if something should be visible, it's just like V dash if, right? And then if you want to check if you want to loop through something, it's V dash four. And to me, this is contrasting with like sort of the React method of like kind of letting you choose what you think will work. So like you could technically use a map to loop through elements. You could use for each. You could use a for loop. And whereas like I would argue that looping through elements, there's probably one way that's more performantly better. I don't want to have to worry about that. I want to just do my thing and move on. And so I think as frameworks continue to abstract concepts, um, 100%, we we pay attention to what's going on in the ecosystem because you know, from that, then we obviously try to iterate on that. And if it works just the way it is, I mean, because for those who have done Angular 1, Vue directives are basically a copy and paste, in my opinion, of like what Angular directives was. I don't think we've really iterated on it in that regard. Um, so yeah. Kaylin, how much do you think about competitive frameworks or do you just um, pick one you like <laughs> I, I don't know I, I pick it for the the paradigms the the concepts not necessarily the factionalism react appeals to me because everything is just i don't know simple to understand there's not too many like complex well i guess with hooks being added there's a ton of <laughs> complex things but before that uh you know everything's just jsx everything's an element you know you can just you know looping over a bunch of things it could be a, a component you don't have to uh, 
uh, bother with the directive syntax, which might have bugs, which gives me flashbacks to Angular 1. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just philosophical difference. I don't like the idea of adding adding changes to the language because then, you know, you come back to your code in five years and, you know, your framework of choice is gone. And then like, oh, I, I can't read this. This is Greek to me, which has already happened to me in other frameworks and languages. And I don't want it to happen to JavaScript. Although maybe with like macros or... I don't know, something added to the language that would allow us to do something like this in a more controlled manner might allow these kinds of ideas to flourish, but I just don't see the point. Also, adding another another build step when build steps are already so complex uh, is a trade-off that I think a lot of people is on their mind. Absolutely. Okay, let's pivot. Let's just talk about Vue straight up, Vue 3. Sounds great. How would you pitch Vue to a React developer? Okay. I would say up until this point, prior to Vue 3, um, Vue 2 is like we took React and Angular and had like made a baby with it, right? And then there's like, we have like options, right? Which again, kind of run contrary to like React, like everything is JavaScript. And especially with hooks, um, it was like kind of tricky, I think, to sometimes reason about like Vue's magic, which I think is one of the challenges that a lot of React developers have with Vue because it seems like these things that it does it's at least it's not plain JavaScript. It's like Vue is doing something magical to it. Um, in Vue 3, however, I would say with Vue 3's composition API, it takes concepts that, for example, like we were just earlier, Jalen, you, you mentioned about like hooks. And so for me, having used hooks as well, like it was kind of um, weird for me to have to like destructure a reactive property into like the thing I wanted to reference and the thing I wanted to like mutate. And whereas like composition API kind of simplifies that into a single API in that you call the thing that you want, like you call it normally like you would any other JavaScript variable. And then when you want to update it, you set it to a new thing, like you would a normal JavaScript variable. And so I think for React developers, like I would give Vue 3's composition API a real try, especially with the new script setup that's come out. Um, I think you'll feel a lot more at home uh, compared to like the days with Vue 2, especially because also TypeScript integration has gotten so much better as well. So I think this will be interesting to kind of learn from each other uh, as time goes on. Yeah, those are two good pain points. Like, I feel like the amount of times when I've had to reference some deep blog posts about the inner workings of a certain hook to diagnose some weird bug that is just too esoteric for the for the React docs to handle. It's just too much. Um, so... Definitely something to look at, look at, up for. Yeah, and the other thing too, I think for React developers, I think you all tend to have like I think it's like a a, a memo functionality to like do like caching, and I know that React sometimes deals with weird like re, like triggering of like render on accident depending on how things are dependencies, and so. Um, computed properties are the one things I highly recommend React developers check out from the Vue ecosystem. And I think some people have tried to port that over to React because there's something really nice about having you declare something that's like, let's say that you have a bill that you're calculating, right? And you're adding items to the list with like a total. Well, like with Vue, you can create a computed property that's like the total amount that is the sum of all your lists. And then that way, that is a value you can refer to later on then to like, let's say calculate the tip. So then you can be like the total times 15% and that is a new computed value. And so it kind of does the memoizing and the caching for you automatically. And so it does that memory management for you in a way that like it won't automatically trigger unless a dependency itself is triggered. And that I found really nice as a mental model because like kind of like once we're managing state, state is very complicated as it is. I don't want to have to like track like when something triggers, you know, like a mutation, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or like have the React hook docs 
on speed dial all the time. It's just getting laborious. But OK, so we handled view. Uh, do you want to talk about pitching from an Angular developer perspective too? Cover all of our bases. <laughs> yeah, sure. Since that's like a similar paradigm, you know? Right. Um, for Angular developers, uh, I would say Vue is like a lighter weight version of Angular in the sense that we provide like conventions for you so that you have an opinionated framework. So to, to Kaylin's point earlier, like we do have directives that kind of keep you on a certain path. Uh, but then more importantly, we have style guides to enforce like uh, specific conventions as far as like p- applying like dynamic keys, which to be honest are kind of like standard amongst frameworks now as, as a general whole. Um, but otherwise, I would say because it's a lightweight version of Angular, this means you kind of have more flexibility to try things out that feel more like natural JavaScript in that regard rather than feeling like you're doing it the Angular way. Uh, so overall, for Angular developers, I would say give Vue 3 a try. And um, if you have questions, feel free to ping. But it should feel like a lightweight version of Angular, I think, at the end of the day. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk about, tooling, because uh, that's on everyone's minds, especially in the last year. I, one thing I kind of like about the, the Vue community is that the tooling seems a little bit more like a nice package, that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of similar. I guess that's a deficiency in the, in the React side, because Angular has like really competent tooling with like the compiling of your templates and all sorts of features that they seem to add every year that I'm kind of out of, out of date with. But I, I guess like uh, from an Angular developer's perspective, that would be a hard sell if, if you were selling Vue to an Angular developer because they're familiar with all these tools. So I guess like how would that compare? Or like, is there a way that Vue does it better? Uh, I, can't, I haven't worked with Angular DevTools, I, although I tried it, I think, with Angular 9 recently. I feel like the Vue DevTools, again, does try to pull from like the React DevTools and Angular DevTools to like really make it easy for you to kind of, one, inspect your app. But also, I think to your point, Kaylin, what Vue tries to do as well is provide sort of more or less official like, support for certain libraries that you might conventionally use all the time. So that's why we have an official state management for Vuex as well as official routing, which I know that I, again, I think it's a double-edged sword. I don't necessarily think it's a disadvantage, but React has such an open ecosystem. It can be kind of paralyzing sometimes to be like, which one do I choose? So I do think that's an, uh, one of the things that Vue tries to offer. Um, but more importantly, I think, I mean, if we're talking about tooling, I think we have to talk about the new ES Build and Vite uh, because that is impacting, I think, frameworks across, let alone just Vue. True. It's a... Uh... One area that LogRocket's familiar with because we have a, a really huge, huge, huge tooling custom setup and performance is a thing that we care about a lot. I'm glad that we're seeing more movement away from Webpack and uh, Vite looks interesting. It's on my short list of things to check out. Yeah, I think one of the things, I, as someone who's been trying to like calm down the framework wars for all this time, <laughs> it's nice to see the frameworks, particularly Vue and React, kind of gathering around it now. Um, it seems like there are a lot of people in the React community who seem to love it and... Um, it's great to see kind of everyone coalescing around the tool. We can team up to take on Angular. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so another thing we wanted to talk about, I guess, um, I was just wondering, like, what's next for Vue after Vue 3.0? Or like, yeah. What would you prefer that uh, the next focus area be? So right now, uh, with Vue 3 having been released, currently the ecosystem is playing a little bit of catch-up. So a lot of our kind of like meta frameworks, so Nuxt, for example, which would be next in the React ecosystem, um, that is, I think they're coming out hopefully with Nuxt 3 soon. So we're looking for kind of support from there as well as some of our like major component libraries like Vuetify, which is our material implementation um, in the Vue ecosystem. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the community is going to do with the new TypeScript support, because since Vue 3 has been rewritten from the ground up with TypeScript, 
uh, a lot. I think we're going to see a lot more interest as far as like how to leverage that uh, well in, in other external libraries. And so for me, it's all about like the tooling and with Vite now also coming into play, like I really want to see like the developer experience of it kind of improve. So for example, with 3.1, we released a, a compatibility build, which will allow people who have Vue 2 to actually try to progressively migrate from Vue 2 to Vue 3 rather than having to do a complete rewrite. And um, yeah, and Vue tries its best really when we went from 2 to 3 to not rewrite everything that you once knew, um, which some people may have done in the past, <laughs> we shall not mention, um, but um, in all fun in games. Uh, so we try to keep the API as similar as possible so that you, you don't walk away with something completely different. But more importantly, um, we wanted to still give you all that performance boost. So that's why Vue 3 as well has a huge performance boost compared to Vue 2. And for those that are using TypeScript or thinking about using TypeScript, again, just wait till you migrate to Vue 3. It's not worth the implementation in Vue 2. Um, but otherwise, as we standardize around tooling and hopefully can share that amongst the rest of the ecosystem with um, things like Vite that we just talked about, and so that's V-I-T-E for those um, listening, uh, I think we should see some really interesting stuff happen uh, within the ecosystem. Yeah. I'm reminded by the 100-page uh, TypeScript with React guide <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the conflicting the conflicting blog posts that you can find on the internet. Like, oh, should you use React.fc? Or no, you shouldn't. You should use function components. And everyone has their own idea, and it's a huge mess. Plus, you have to install it separately. So that's definitely an area where you can where Vue is, seems to be doing a more sane approach. We're trying. <laughs> we are certainly trying our best. <laughs> what are the if anything, uh, like what are the things that you uh, would have liked to be in Vue 3 that either you didn't have the resources or time or you plan to? Are there, maybe there's nothing, maybe there's several things, like other things? Yeah. Uh, that is a great question. So I think library compatibility was probably the biggest thing I would have liked to see in when Vue 3 was released because as a result, a lot of people who can start evergreen projects did go straight to Vue 3, but a lot of people are waiting for those other library dependencies. So that would have been nice. But as far as features go, um, I'll say in Vue 3, a lot of our official libraries, one in particular, uh, Vuex, which is our state management library, follows kind of the traditional Redux pattern that probably a lot of listeners are familiar with, right? You have your state, you have getters, and you have actions and mutations. Well, in the upcoming rewrite, so unfortunately this wasn't time, we couldn't get it timed this way, but um, the library authors, believe, I believe they figured out a way to get rid of mutations and actually just detect them automatically. So that way you have less boilerplate to write and you can kind of just focus on solving you know, business problems. And I think that's a lot of, I think, Vue's philosophy is try as much as humanly possible to abstract away those things we, we have to do over and over and over again. And the more we can be intelligent about that, I think the more that developers can spend time building interesting things and instead of solving problems we've already solved. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I remember the years when Redux and Flux became popular and it just never made much sense to me. Like, oh, all this uh, verbosity is, uh, is the right way, actually. Like, I don't think so. This doesn't feel right. Yeah, I think it's funny when I think um, those, like, especially when they enter framework territory for the first time and with Vue, like some of the criticisms I hear are like, there's too much magic. And what I think is odd about that is magic to me just means that things have been abstracted. And I think every library to some extent has magic, unless you're literally writing everything at like the compiler level. Um, there's going to be some magic. And I think it's just as developers getting comfortable with like the right level of abstraction 
and having escape hatches is the key, right? Because I think a lot of times developers were afraid of getting locked into something and not being able to get out. And I and I know that at least as long as I'm on the team, I would want to make sure that any conventions we introduce have ways for people to break out of it because there, we can't anticipate every case scenario. There's just, there's no way for us to do that. People rarely complain about the magic when it works. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I wish the criticism that I got on the stuff that we write was like, this is too magical. <laughs> that is not the criticism I get. Usually it's like, you are very wrong. But usually I will say that people who are saying... <laughs> view the fr- the so-called framework wars people are very polite when we are like make a small mistake excepting of course rust developers but that's <laughs> definitely that's a different animal they are very they are very passionate about me being wrong and i'm like all right you're right. i'm sure you're correct <laughs> at first they're like oh i'm happy that people are writing about rust and then they're like wait a second yeah <laughs> i'm i'm too afraid to keep going like i brought it up then i'm like you know what i'm i think i'm gonna back away slowly because i know what my inbox will look like after that <laughs> so is there anything else that we missed that like we didn't talk about either about view three or just generally that about view that like you wish more people knew about plug time plug time uh well for those that don't know, uh, the Vue ecosystem takes great pride in its docs. So, you know, if you're looking for a place to get started, honestly, I'd recommend just checking out the official docs. And there's like an essentials guide section. And so, I think the general rule of thumb that my mentor kind of told me, like, when if you haven't tried Vue, try Vue. Like, give it like a good solid hour, build something with it. And again, if you're coming from React, I specifically recommend you starting out with Composition API. Um, it'll give you a better sense of what the ecosystem is about because I think one of the challenges when people evaluate frameworks, and this is just tool, a general commentary and tooling in general, is that they'll build kind of like a toy app with it, and then they'll just they'll just make a judgment from that immediately. And I think that's what's sometimes tricky about a lot of like the way, especially Twitter handles mass opinion. They'll be like, "Yeah, I tried it for this, and I built this tiny thing, and." It's not the way it's supposed to be built, but then they make it a judgment on it. They're like, it feels too weird. And I think that's always so funny when it comes to um, developers and their opinions on those kind of things. So, you know, give it a shot. If you have questions, again, my DMs are open. Um, as And if you have questions, if you're like, this is confusing, this doesn't make sense, I'd love to hear from you all because we're always looking for ways to improve the docs. So um, I, th- I think that's the main plug is to just uh, give it a shot. Let us know if you have any questions. What's the best, like say you wanted to get uh, involved somehow? Like what's the kind of the first, I mean, I assume actually doing the exact thing you just said is the first step, but beyond that, is there anything else that's worth knowing or is it just kind of your typical open source process? Um, I would say the view community also tries to pride itself in being as welcoming and as inclusive as humanly possible. So we do have like a discord channel. Um, but more importantly, I think a lot of the library authors are always looking for consistent contributors to get involved. So if this is something you're interested in, you know, file issues or, um, again, reach out to me if you have a specific project you have in mind that you want to get involved with. Um, you'd be surprised. A lot of open source, even though it seems like a massive ecosystem, really consists of only a few consistent contributing members. Um, a lot of people have this idea yeah. they want to contribute to open source. And then the reason why it, you might real, you might feel like it's hard to begin with is because what we're used to as maintainers is seeing someone file an issue and we go, would you like to open a PR for it? It'll sit for like 30 days and we'll just be like, okay, I guess we should just move on it. Or what's worse is that you'll issue a giant PR that we don't, like, we have to do a lot of work to test. And so it's really about just building that trust with maintainers and not just being like, I rewrote the library. It's so much better. Please spend, like, weeks reviewing my PR. Um, Start small, (laughs) build trust. um, And I I assure you, there is a place for you in open source. There's so much. We need so much help. 
not just Vue. Just this is just a, a a cry for help in open source in general. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad I asked that question. Yeah. No. Great job. Cool. Well, Ben, thanks very much for coming on Pod Rocket. It was thanks a pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll see you around. Thanks. Hi, thanks for listening. Um, please remember to like, subscribe, uh, email me if you want, even though none of you do. Go to logrocket.com and, and try it out. It's free to try. Then it costs money, but yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>